0: You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to an episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian. Over at Sir Lucian Gaming, who doesn't have video camera problems this early in the morning
1: at no. all, at all. All technical problems. We were five minutes away. Everything was working. Screen flashed. Mass hysteria. Cats living with dogs. It's. I don't know what to do now.
0: Yeah, it was. It was just like, what? <laughs> so we're uh, on a phone camera. So Lucian, uh, yeah, he jumped on his phone camera, and that's what he's <laughs> using right now which is why we're on the the guest overlay um so specifically he can have a face and things like that so um but hopefully we can hear everybody i think we can i got some audio um no echoes no echoes echoes that i can hear That's
1: good yeah perfect
0: um yeah hi everybody so uh we got 10 minutes late i'm i apologize for that but we'll we'll jump in and, and do the best to our abilities um We're a Dungeons and Dragons talk show. Thank you for joining us. We're live Saturday mornings on uh, YouTube and Twitch. Um, You can search Saturday morning D&D show and find us there. Uh, The rumors. This is like the big thing I guess I wanted to talk about, but we have a lot of little cool things to talk about as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And it comes as completely no surprise to me, but uh some of the Discord circles that I'm in, they're like, Hey, I, I got secret information and people were talking back and forth and I was like, Oh, like what secret information do you have? Um, and they were saying that they had uh an inside source that was saying Thank that you. Wizards is not going to have an open game license for uh D five and a half or sixth edition or one D and D, whatever we're calling it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I guess I should use 1D&D because that's the terminology they're using, but they're not going to have an open game license, which means that third-party publishers will not be able to publish anything for it, and it'll be a lot like 4th Edition. 4th Edition didn't have an OGL, everything was done in-house, and uh, coincidentally, that is one of the driving factors that created Pathfinder, because all of a sudden people couldn't make money off of this game. And so they were like, well, I'm going to go where I can make money. And you have very talented designers who are making very awesome stuff and they're not all working for wizards of the coast. So because mm-hmm. of that, they, you know, turn around and they start making uh, pathfinder stuff. And then all of a sudden pathfinder ha- shoots up. And uh, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why fourth edition didn't uh, wasn't as successful as wizards wanted it to. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, Zris in, in chat here, I'm already thinking the same thing. Like we would have, uh, we would it, would, it would make fifth edition stronger. It would not make sixth edition uh, better, I think, or it might make it more lucrative for Wizards of the Coast, but a lot of people were saying, well, this is just gonna push people into making better 5e content because we have an open game license for 5e or even revisiting 3E or 3.5 with the open game license and um, evolving it from there. Uh, what do you think about all this? And and is it a surprise to you that Wizards would be doing this? Or Hasbro, I should say.
1: Not a surprise because they never really wanted, they're a money-making company yeah. from the moment they were created, the moment Gary Gygax was a money-making person, TSR was a money-making He didn't like it person. either, right? He didn't want Wizards people making... it. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, I mean. Gary um, Guy X. Like. But I think it also, during the OpenGL portion, came out right about when I think open-licensed stuff in other areas of our culture, and I'm going to say mostly, maybe, probably American, because I think what we started seeing back then during that time, too, and I don't know what the year was, but like all of a sudden, like we're using OBS, open license, programming, open license. There's this push for people to have open free software, open free license, open free internet kind of stuff. And so I think at that point, maybe it did make sense to have a gaming system that was OpenGL, you know, open source in a way that people could then use. And they do make, I'm sure, plenty of money off of, some licensing still with 5e. It's not like everything that's 5e that's made, they don't get a cut of. I think there are some things that they don't, but I also think they have plenty of licensing agreements that they're probably making a lot of money off of for 5e stuff, so. But yeah, I think if I'm a creator and all the Kickstarters are offering 5e variants of campaign worlds, rules, new stuff, then they come out with a sixth edition. I could just keep doing 5e stuff because yeah. it has a track track record of just selling really well because in reality the system is pretty good. Yeah. Right? I mean it it wouldn't sell that well if it wasn't good. I, I can't imagine anything else that makes it. You know, if and it was a bad system it wouldn't work.
0: Yeah, and we've talked about Wizards said that one D&D will be backwards compatible with fifth edition um mm-hmm. and how uh, accurate that is we have no idea yet i'm leaning more towards you'll be able to use new uh one dnd characters with older adventures but i don't think you'll be able to use older characters with new adventures maybe um with a few tweaking right. and stuff uh right. but if you're there's two things from this if you're hasbro and you own dnd and you're seeing million dollar Kickstarter I after million dollar Kickstarter and you're not getting a cent of that, uh, you're probably like, well, wait a minute. We made that company. We should be getting something for that. And Hasbro yeah. is notorious about protecting their intellectual property. Uh, that really is the Hasbro business. They're they're not, they don't make new things. Um, and I know Wizards of the Coast is like a part of Hasbro and and Wizards does make new things, but like Hasbro itself has been like, let's take Transformers, let's take GI Joe, N- let's take this, company. and yeah. and then they just hold on to it, and they're like, oh, do you want to experience this again? Well, okay, but you got to pay us a bunch of money, and then it's done. You know, you you make your Transformers mm-hmm. movie, we're done. We're not doing this. So they're they're very that is their business. Whether that uh, whether you agree with that or not, it is it is their business.
1: Well, and Um, everybody's business, right? Though, because I couldn't just go out and make a Pathfinder Second Edition book using all the Pathfinder Second Edition rules and then just call it mine. No, 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 no. (laughs) But what I'm saying is like Invisible Sun, or
0: uh, uh, no, you are correct. Yeah,
1: because I'm not, I'm not making Invisible
0: Sun content. But uh, my point is, Hasbro isn't either. They don't make anything inherently GI Joe they just have Mm. that intellectual property and then they allow other people to make it for money. So it makes sense to them that they're like, well, if we have D and D, why don't, why isn't uh, why isn't Matt Coville paying us money to to make fifth edition content? And I, and I think that's the idea because they were doing it with one D and D, you know, like, Hey, one D and D do Mm -hmm. this. And that was the Hasbro model. Well, we're like, we'll license you all of the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Um, but then you know it comes back and it's just like uh well we'll license you all the fifth edition dungeons and Dragons stuff and literally fandom and one D, they didn't have to do anything they just had to like well they didn't have to uh create a brand and an image that's kind of the idea that hasbro thinks they're bringing to the table but i think right. nowadays it's like really those third party people are doing 90 percent of the legwork of making this a good product and you're just reaping the benefits at the top so Now you have uh, going back to I'm sure Hasbro is looking at these million dollar kickstarters and they're like why aren't we getting a cut of this? Uh, But what does this do for third party publishers? And uh, we were just saying I think that's going to really make it um, make fifth edition even stronger.
1: And I think a lot less people might play. Yeah. What about OSR? So it's basic D and D rules. Yeah, they don't have to pay like Goodman Games and them don't have to pay Wizards of the Coast for the basic set rules, right? So That's if because of the OGL stuff. Yeah. But that's on the 3.5, right? That you're not Still using 3.5 rules in OSR, are you?
0: Uh, you don't necessarily have to, but like I if thought you're, you're using like red box rules. If you're using any of the rules that were in the 3rd edition OGL or the 5th edition OGL, uh you kind of it's it's Oh. It's uh there's so two
1: OGLs. I gotcha.
0: There is. I thought uh, only
1: the fifth edition one existed. I didn't realize nope. there was a third edition OGL yep. also. Okay. That so, makes more sense. There so, is so yeah, so we already uh, see what happens.
0: OGL version one was for third edition, and then um OGL version one A is the fifth edition like subvariant of it.
1: Got right. And okay. in fourth edition, I'm
0: just reading this now, I, I didn't know this, but fourth edition had a royalty-free license called the Game System License, but that was, uh, that apparently so that was not nearly back. as popular. <laughs> he the, tried to take it back. The Game yeah. System License is incompatible with the OGL, and so fifth edition oh. was kind of a big thing where it's like, it we're actually going to use that same OGL for third edition, which was, you can you just make stuff as long as you're not using copyrighted materials so you can't i can't copy and paste the fifth edition player's handbook or adventures or anything like that into my game but i can use those same concepts of advantage disadvantage uh to hit things like that and so that terminology is really what it yeah. came down to and with fifth edition it allowed you to make because of the system reference
1: document i could make subclasses and that was huge So I wonder if there's a video out there that says things you're not allowed to use because this document says like is critical hit somehow trademarked to them or is things that are like, you know, how we said role initiative, who, who come up with the whole, I wonder in that how many of those things are somehow they own or you can't now use in any other.
0: Yeah. So I've, I've read it because I was really curious. Um, and it's, it's a big document, the system reference document, specifically for 5th edition. Um, but it, it gives you a handful of races, like uh, uh, dwarf and elf and human and things like that. And, he, and it's like, here are the characteristics for these. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like a template that you can use to create your own races. As long as you're not, um, like, you, need, you can even tweak dwarf and stuff like that. But I couldn't use Hadoozy. I couldn't use Plasmoid. Like I can't put those in my game yeah. because they're not in the system reference document. Um, another thing is spells. There's a whole list of all of the, the spells. And I, I, I've been referring to them as the public domain spells where <laughs> they're, they're in the system reference document. It's very open, um, but you can't use the word tensor for tensors floating disks. So it's just right. magic floating disk or floating disk. You can't use Mordenkainen. You can't use that word. So there's, there's copyright words, but there's not really copyright mechanics, but it, again, if it's not in the system reference document, like plasmoids are not in the, the SRD, then I can't use it in my game. And it's a, it's a fine line. Nobody can really decide this except for a judge in a, in a copyright court of law. Uh, but I guarantee Hasbro has better lawyers than I do. And so a lot of Mm third-party people are like, well, we're going to stick to that pretty, pretty hard, you know?
1: Wow. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think it'll be. I mean, we see it because Goodman Games obviously is you know running a business based off of OGL stuff, basically, right? I mean, so they're able to survive and exist and create new products and have a thriving community based off of kind of the. Latching on to the OSR community. Of no, and that's because Paizo worked Srd. Yeah. Paizo yeah. worked
0: hand in hand with Wizards of the Coast for third edition. Like they, yeah. they created a lot of their, uh, helped create a lot of their adventures. Um, I believe uh, Paizo even created the Tyranny of Dragons adventure for Wizards of the Coast for fifth mm-hmm. edition because they wanted a starting adventure, but they were too busy working on the player's handbook in 2014. So it's like, okay, yeah. we'll create that for you.
1: I wonder if the silver lining would be like if you were to say, what is a good outcome? We're, we're yeah. thinking of like the negative outcome would be well, everybody will just stay doing 5E stuff and Hasbro's, you know, wants more money. So they're going to fight it wherever they can to get everybody on the six or whatever. But maybe a, a, a sunnier look at it, rose colored glass way, would be maybe it forces people to do kind of like what you're doing with exploring making mechanics and systems and get away from the reliance on 95% of the tabletop role-playing Kickstarters out there right now are 5e based, right? So maybe we'll start getting 2d6 systems. Maybe we'll start getting pool dice systems again. Maybe we'll get percentage dice systems again. Maybe we'll get 2d6 plus stat systems again. Maybe we'll get, you know, all these other styles because it's that finally that impetus to say, let's stop using 5e <laughs> as our thing, though it is the popular thing. And that's what everybody does their Kickstarter on, because they get hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. up to millions, really. Yeah. I mean, kobolds. Yeah. No, I don't. Order. And
0: I, I, yeah, so people in chat are correcting me that it was actually kobold press that made Tyranny of Dragons. And I, yeah, you're oh, right. I get yeah. paizo and kobold press confused sometimes, that's so I true. apologize. Um, so I... Uh, I agree. I, there's a, there's a, that outcome where people might try other games. Um, I think nice. another outcome is that uh, companies like, and I'm just going to keep using MCDM as an example, where they're like, hey, we've got all these rules. We've got these, I've got a monster book now. Um, why don't we just make a player's handbook? And they can make their own player's handbook with the OGL. Uh, they can include the like four classes that are available in the system reference document, but then they make all their own, you know, regular ones. Uh, and I was thinking back to that, that video game that we played, Celasta. Uh, and they use the OGL and they had like the terminology of like, you can be a, I think it was like the light cleric, but after level three, they had to come up with all of their own stuff. And so the light cleric goes in a very different direction. And it wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me if we get, you know, mazes and monsters or something silly like that, or uh, I don't know, Colville's and cauldrons, and it's like some, <laughs> some MCDM product that he makes that's like pseudo-5e. Um, but talking about this with some friends, I think the real game changer is Critical Role. And if Critical Role adopts one D&D, then a lot of other people will adopt one D&D. But if Critical Role says, well, we want to make our own custom content for Dungeons & Dragons because they themselves are a content creation company, they don't want to, like, piggyback off of Wizards of the Coast. They're, they want to sell Taldore, you know, books about everything, and they want to sell all this other stuff uh, unless they decide to partner with Wizards of the Coast and make more Critical Role featured books for one d uh, that's a that's a possibility. But if they don't, I think I think Critical Role is bigger than Wizards of the Coast. And I think that they could say, oh, well, we'll make our own game. And everyone will be like,
1: oh, well, I'm going to play the Critical Role version of D&D. And they'll jump ship. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> no, it's such weird. A lot of people have made that same argument. But they also, because if you remember, when they start that in Geek and Sundry, their home game is a Pathfinder game. Yep. And for the start of the show, I'm there for the first couple of episodes when Geek and Sundry brings it on there because I'm a huge fan of Will Wheaton and he was doing a lot of role play stuff, but he they weren't touching D&D yet. And then they talked about this critical role show that was going to come on and it was going to be, you know, they were going to do this long running home campaign and they were going to use the new fifth edition rules. And yeah. so that's the only reason I jumped on it because I was wanting to learn fifth edition at that point. So it made sense for me to look for that, but I. So I've seen lots of weird speculations and videos about what if they had just stayed with Pathfinder. Yeah, I don't you're think right. there's any chance Pathfinder becomes as big as D and D is now if they would have stayed with that system. Uh, no, but I think I agree with
0: you. I think my argument now is that Critical Role is powerful now. Like no. so you, not now thinking about like power. what they do. Like I think they, they they're not going to jump ship as in like, hey guys, we're switching over to Pathfinder. I don't think they'll do that. But if they, they take the fifth edition that's worked for them and tweak it with a Critical Role style, uh. But yeah, I don't I don't know if they would. What if be... they create their own system? Exactly, it's, just, it's the yeah. Critical Role system. Yeah, he's already making uh, board games and stuff, and and then we were thinking, think about all of those amazing. Uh, game creators out there that if Wizards of the Coast, like, burns people with no OGL and Critical Role says, oh, come come over here. Like, come make content for our game. All of a sudden, boom. Like, uh, Kobold Press would hmm. love to make content
1: for a Critical Role-focused game, you know? So, I think it'll be whatever Stranger Things does. If Stranger Things changes and stays with 5e <laughs> Well... Stranger Things will <laughs> stick with uh, nineteen
0: eighty yeah. something. Eighties rules. Yeah,
1: yeah. it would be interesting. I mean, it does. It makes sense. All companies try to grab they, their IPs never those, and strangle so, them. Yeah, they want you to pay. Like you know, music companies want you to pay every time you hear it. Not that you could just buy a song and own it, right? Every video wants to be that way. Every company that has an intellectual property, which yep. is all of gaming. Music, entertainment, video stuff—everybody's trying to grab that that kind of thing. Yeah. So I just and this, wonder. This
0: isn't the company, or or I would say that is the company. But like I know for a fact that uh, Chris Perkins and, and a lot of the people they like the OGL, they like what it does for the community. So don't don't go vilifying them when we say Wizards of the Coast. It literally is the lawyers who are just like, well, this is how we make more money, you yeah. know. Or so it's those, it's those same people that work in pharmaceuticals where they're like, well, if we increase the price of insulin a thousand percent we would make more money and you're like yeah but what are you doing like you do what and they don't don't think because they're just like this is how you make money it's like well yeah yeah, but it's wrong i don't know so uh not to equate rpgs to insulin
1: uh but i hope you get my point To pharmaceutical malfeasance yeah Yeah, i don't i don't know if i go that that's a bridge too far jordan they look at it and they're
0: just like how do we make money with this they do want to make
1: money and we always have to remember that a company wants to make money no company goes in typically into business without wanting to make money even nonprofits are trying to make money so they can do more yeah they just are not trying to make a huge profit technically so i would be careful of vilifying anybody that decides to try to improve their business and if it fails just fail by spending your money elsewhere don't fail by you know jumping on a, a boycott or a you know a burn the place down mm. kind of thing just say okay i'll spend my money with uh Monty Cook games because I love Monty Cook yeah. games, or I'll spend my money with this and just. That's I just started listening
0: to a uh,
1: Invisible Sun actual play. It's been a lot of fun. So. I just saw another book. Must be an expansion book in my game store. That was it's the square shape. That's how I knew yeah. immediately it was an Invisible Sun book. And it looked like it was a book about more of the city. Maybe I didn't know if there. Yeah, city of Saterine. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's an, but it wasn't in the cube or anything. No, it, it was off on its own. Yeah so I, I, obviously there are some other books for me yeah Sun. i I, I have, have all
0: of them realized. i I went I went haywired with that so <laughs> there's a there's a book called like secrets of Saturn which is all about the city um that there's might have been a, the one I a saw. another there's like a monster manual that they came out with uh it's ah. green I forget the name of it um and then there's another book of spells and that book came with uh cards as well for all the spells so got it yeah that's very cool um anyway we yeah interesting uh, this is something. This is a huge topic, and uh, I kind of want to make another video on it at
1: some point, uh, separate from the Saturday morning. But they have to change the name. That's like, if that rumor you're saying is true, it confirms they have to change the name. They can't keep it as five-something, because that will not work if they're going to try to separate it from the OGL and try to separate it and say this is its own thing and you can't do that anymore. That means it has to be 6th edition then, right?
0: Yeah, or, or it has to be one D&D or something because an- they have to name. say this yeah. is this and then you are not allowed to say uh, my game is compatible with D&D 6th edition because it doesn't have an OGL even though it might be compatible. Makes me wonder yeah. how many people are going to make like like conversion kits that are kind of like... Like I could see a company making a game or making a supplement yeah. and then somehow like a conversion kit gets leaked out on the internet. So it's like, oh, but mm-hmm. if I if i buy this i could use this conversion kit yeah so here's the stats first if you're playing sixth edition. exactly yeah <laughs> like just tweak it like this so yeah. um in our notes i think i wrote kickstarter but i didn't put anything under it so maybe i was... I, I had wrote it because i okay. saw
1: one that was really good and then i was forgot the name just as my camera fiasco oh, was happening okay so i didn't get to go back and look it up um did you Have you done any Kickstarters in the last month or so? What's your last Kickstarter you you backed while I'm getting back to where I wanted to find
0: um, it? There was a horror uh, Haunted House creation RPG that I think was by the same people that did Alice is Missing, which was the texting RPG where you're looking for your friend Alice. Um, that is now going to be turned into a book or a movie. Um, the one I just backed or, uh, this uh, month, it actually has nine hours to go. I should share this because I think it looks really cool. <laughs> but it's called Home, the Haunted House Map Building RPG. Um, and I thought it was really cool. Uh, it It's just kind of, uh, it's not like a long form RPG. It really does feel kind of like Alice is Missing where you'll play it like a few times. Uh, but I like the idea of building a haunted house with your friends. Like, part of the part of this uh, process is, like, coming up with this haunted house. Um, and it looks really cool. Like, I think it, I think it's a cool idea for an RPG. And I don't know. So this was the last one. And then um, Kids on Bikes 2, second edition, just finished. And that is also on my list of potentials. Um, a lot of Kickstarters coming in, though. I should be getting yeah. Crypt of the Devil Lich. For 5th edition mm-hmm. and DCC. I should be mm-hmm. getting... Uh, DCC number 100 should be coming in soon. And lots of DCCs. Uh, DCC Undying Earth will be coming in. Which if you subscribe to the Jocular Junction... The plan is to make big big reviews on of I think WebDM and
1: Venture Maidens is almost done too.
0: Venture Maidens, <laughs> the PDF is done. Uh, if you PDFs. subscribe to that, you can go get the PDF now. Uh, WebDM, the PDF is almost done from what I've heard... And the Venture mm-hmm. Maidens book should be shipping out soon. And I just got uh, uh, a, <laughs> and I just got a, a notification saying that my Moni Cook or my MCDM book is uh, being finally shipped, uh, Kingdoms and Warfare. So uh, Zris yeah. wants to point out to you, Lucian, that your camera is excellent today. Just looks so. Oh good. well, they, yeah, yeah, I know. That That'd is because be it is a uh,
1: cell phone <laughs> that is, he and is yes, locked yes. in with. <laughs> if I went to the back camera it would be even better this is even the front-facing camera you know, let alone so if i funny. turn it around i have thought about going on a tech tangent here to use phones i bought like a what's the google one the pixels i was thinking about using a pixel 6 right now is it a yeah. pixel 7 to use as my phone for my p- podcast and everything just to be get rid of these you know usb I know, yeah i know a couple youtubers phones. that use their
0: phones primarily for their video and here I have start. my Canon DSLR, and a lot of times oh, it looks rod. better because the yeah. the hardware behind it. But um, yeah. yeah, they're like I thought it was just like Lucian looks so good today. Everyone in chat Man, is just like awesome. <laughs> well,
1: thanks guys. this camera so is not normal. <laughs> Which you have a pretty Back good to camera Kickstarter. There, yeah. I don't want to talk about how good I look. This is bad. Uh, the one I saw that made me bring this up is I was watching. There's a really good podcast um, UK or their they're either UK or they're Welsh or one of the countries that are over there in the United Kingdom because there are a few countries that make that area up. They do a tabletop gaming channel also. And I think their their quality is top and notch. Like they are really good at their stuff. In their show, they do a uh, either a weekly or a monthly show where they go out and do the same thing that we do with news and all the stuff that's around there. They're more focused towards tabletop war games but they they span everything just to you know have a nice big show yeah they pointed out Itza's guide to dragon bonding a D&D 5e supplement and when you kind of scroll through this made out of mexico city mexico um it's on kickstarter right now it's got 19 days to go it's already made its goal so it will pledge but look at some of the artwork in this. Look at some of the things you can do when you scroll through this. Maybe Jordan can put it in chat at some point. Yeah. Or you can just look it up on Kickstarter. It's called Itza's, I-T-Z-A hyphen S. Itza's Dragon Bond. And it's about adding more dragons to your dungeons and dragons, which I thought was kind of a cool. Eight subclasses, dragon broods. It has rules for aerial dragon riding combat. I mean everybody needs that. New monsters, new spells, you know, um classes, the dragon hunter, the dragon herald and the vala adept. This all sounds super cool. Um and I just found the artwork looked really good. That DM screen is fantastic. This art reminds me of like Magic the Gathering level Dungeons and Dragons level art. They've got some really cool styles of dragons that are gonna. It kind of feels like it has a um, feel from different cultures even. So like you get you know how like a a Chinese or a, a Japanese dragon in art looked different than say the european dragons they had a a different kind of body shape and look and the way the wings are and then so i feel like there's even some in here like even the Kotal one looks really cool it's got the feathers all over it and it just seems really cool undead dragons and scaled dragons and you know just all kinds of stuff and just look at some of those monsters in there that just look really crazy so i just want to point this one out i think this is my next one i'll be backing um probably in the next couple of days i just had like you said i have a bunch of kickstarters coming in 19 days Um, to go on that one um so uh you might be interested they
0: they sponsored a couple videos and i did a flip through of their early doc in uh i think it was early october the end of september and i've got another video that i'm working on i was actually going to finish recording and editing it tonight uh, where I go over the playtest rules that they've incorporated, nice. uh, but I, I the first video that I did, I talked a lot about the world, and it's really interesting because dragons live on the moon, and they yes. come down every twenty-seven years to. Uh, it's like a, a spell allows them to return to the earth, uh, and there's a whole mechanic of. It's called dragon bond because you can you can tie your soul with a dragon and then you literally have like a dragon that will become part of the party and run around with you. Uh, and so yeah, I, I think it's an amazing uh, supplement. And this is the kind of thing I'm talking about where like five E, like Wizards of the Coast is doing a great job with five E, but then you mm-hmm. see something like this and you're just like, Holy cow, like this is this, this is, is awesome. Stuff. Like I want to play this, you know? And mm-hmm. It makes me think to like Sly Flourish is currently running a D&D 5e game where he's using the PHB and then all Kobold Press stuff. And he's running it in Midgard by Kobold Press, which is their in-home world. Really, And nice it's like, too. guys, it's doable. Like, we don't mm-hmm. need Wizards of the Coast to play 5th edition, you know? And that's what makes me think that products like this make me think uh, Critical Role could really take the game into whatever direction they want. And they'll call it, you know. And I think with these guys, they the, the RPG whole campaign knows. world, right?
1: This is a whole campaign setting. It's a setting. And I don't it's know if there's books. another book. It's, it's from what, I, from
0: what, what I've been communicating with the people because of the sponsorship, it's three books. Uh, it's um, basically like monsters, uh, player rules, and then uh, a mini campaign uh, slash the world. So, like, you can have, you know, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. so... Uh, yeah, but I, lo- I loved the mechanics. Like, it really got me interested, the dragon bonding mechanics, because you share hit points. Uh, so inst- if I have 50 hit points and my dragon has 25, we now collectively have 75 hit points. So mm-hmm. if an AoE hits us, we take double damage. But, like, my dragon could run in and, yeah, and if it goes down, I go down. It's, it's kind of a cool mechanic. Like, I thought it really worked. It, it made pets more efficient.
1: I think it's so. so funny because we did not plan at at all. I just happened to see it on another no, podcast that I and really I like to watch. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna bring this to the show. And I think this really is the good. kind of thing where
0: you're <laughs> like, like, I I specifically don't try to like push products on people, yeah, uh, yeah. but. You know, when somebody comes to me and they're like, hey, I want you to, like, review my product, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, that looks really cool. And so oh, I don't cool. take every sponsorship. And so uh, the fact that I took this one, it was like, you guys are doing some really cool stuff. And it's, cool. it's, I look uh, to it, and videos. like I said, it's out of Mexico City, Mexico. And so they have a lot of, like, cultural kind of cool, draggony things. Like, uh, the the Mesoamerican stuff is really cool in the book. So.
1: You should definitely check I'm glad I pointed it out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, cool. I can't wait to see your videos. I'll keep an eye out. Is that on main channel or is that on your... That's on the main channel, yeah. Because they want to sponsor a main channel channel thing. That makes sense. And it'll be up
0: shortly. Uh, I've just been so busy. I'm in a play. So I'm like rehearsing and like rehearsing and being a dad and
1: trying to do other stuff and uh, running that Thursday game. I'm like, oh my God. So
0: really busy so but. i should be
1: getting my um secret world pretty soon i did Ooh. i also backed dragon bane but that was from um free a league and you know, yeah free League. free league and so i'm waiting on that one and that should be coming pretty soon and then everyday heroes is coming pretty soon so that was the other ones but i think i really feel like i am gonna back this one this dragon one sounded really cool i just love the artwork too yeah. just even to flip through it looks like it's really good it reminds me of like the wild sea one where i'm just looking at the artwork and i'm just like I don't care what's in this book. I don't care what they put in it because the artwork is so good. I just like looking through it and going, oh, sometimes imagine those, adventure there. They're just fun to read oh, sometimes, you know? Yeah, imagine like, this character to yeah. play. You know, it's just so good. So, and I've been reading lots of role playing books. We'll see that here if we still have time towards the end, if I didn't mess all that up. But that's our Kickstarter stuff. I thought I saw that one. And if you guys really do like the other channel, and I don't, they don't know us from anything from Adam, um, Tabletop the um is their yeah what's the their podcast? youtube channel so they're on on tabletop all one word in youtube they have a really cool uh, logo too which is two t's for tabletop but it makes the tabletop game which i think is kind of cool they've been around forever they do a great podcast every kind of you know vlog kind of thing about new games kickstarters they did in this same show they talk about board games that are coming out they talk about ttrpgs that are coming out they talk about what's happening in the um the make the stuff at your home minis uh 3d printing space you know they're like oh check this things out so they're really cool they're you know i believe they're irish or english i can't i can't remember where they're at so they have a really cool show i really like it cool um, check them out so I think they were sponsored. They when I found them when just as Geek & Sundry was going, and Geek and & Sundry had them on some of their shows doing gaming news for a bit. And then they broke off when Geek & Sundry went and did more other things. But that's when I found these guys way back in the day. Mm. Um, and they've got a cool website that they built themselves. You can get games and stuff from them, and they do they do con- tons of cool content. So check them yeah, out. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, I will, uh, I'll I'll uh, do the old subscribe and check them out. I like them.
1: Are you ready for some Paizo stuff? I looked up some Paizo because we sure. really didn't have anything D&D-wise because the last release we're waiting for is Dragonlance. They didn't have any other videos on their channel. Yeah, um, I did see a blurb on Twitter about the surveys going out or is about to be done or make sure you get it in because the deadlines almost happened. Yeah. So maybe we're about to see... Some new stuff, but we haven't yet, so we've really kind of we not had in the I last of I think late week next so week D&D. the
0: preview copies of Dragonlance will get out, but they're they're gearing up for PAX Unplugged, which is December sixth. Yeah. Um They'll Wizards, I mean. So like uh Watsy's gearing up for that. Uh but Dragonlance and so I think after after packs unplugged we'll get lots of new information because we got to so, know what the new
1: next book is right yeah, yeah we got to know what the next hype is so we'll know and we'll know that that's going to be the 2023 stuff because that's mm-hmm. you know i don't think we'll get to and that.
0: planescape really they announced it so it's probably going to be a lot of planescape information i so. hope it's that yeah, yeah. but yeah what's but i did with find Python? some
1: paizo stuff so they're doing a really cool thing um they have an event called Toys of Boundless Wonders. And this is, a, this is one charity that's actually kind of near and dear to my heart. And I don't come on and try to have you guys, you know, sign up for all the charities that we're a part of or anything like that. But Toys for Tots has always been one that, not only in like a charity that I like to give to, and it's happened at work sometimes every now and then, but it also aligns with what I do in my other hobby, which is, you know, the, the medieval reenactment group that I'm a part of and I'll put my armor on and go do stuff it's the one charity that usually during the christmas time we do a toys for tots tourney and so all the people that are going to come and fight in that tournament the way you get in is to bring two toys and you put those in Mm -hmm. and then the marines come and pick them up at the end of the day and you get to meet them and we all have a great time doing a fun tournament you know and stuff and hanging out with friends and then there's just giant box of toys that get to go to kids right yeah so one of my favorite um Things to do because anybody can just, you know, go buy some toys for some kids and and hand them out. And I love the idea of like putting in their D&D starter sets or something or Pathfinder starter sets or Mm -hmm. just cool stuff that, you know, the kids could just pick up and say, hey, I get to play with this with my friends. So Paizo is doing one and it's being put together by game stores that are willing to do Toys for Top drop off locations, because just like you can do, you know, Santa's outside Target or something, Salvation Army kind of stuff, they will pick places where you can put a box for Toys for Tots. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm hoping that... I'm going to go check with my game store a little bit later after our show today to see if they are if they would be willing to do a Toys for Tots location. I'll, tra- I'll talk to the people at here, And then they're going to offer games and stuff. People are going to DM games for a day or two. And the way you get into the game and get to play is you buy a toy from the store that you're in. So if I go to Fanfare and it's a comic book store with games and toys and all kinds of stuff right there in the store, go buy something put it in the box, sit down, I'll run a game for you for, you know, a couple hours, play some role-playing games or board games or whatever, play some Magic the Gathering, you know, matches or whatever, just something fun uh, to try to promote that a little bit. So I thought that was really cool. I think it's cool that Paizo, is really showing to be a company that is diving into the mainstream of inclusivity, inclusivity, being good to its employees, being good to its community, being good to, you know, the people in general. And I think it really shines with, you know, the types of charities and things they do. So I think that's cool. The other thing they had that I thought was really neat that's out this month is they have an interstellar species book for Starfinder, which is a really cool book. I mean, it has not only do you have lots of species that you can use in your games, if you're playing Starfinder, I was thinking about using it for like Star Trek games or mm-hmm. Star Wars game anything that's going to have lots of different alien types and species that are out there. But it also has rules to create them. Oh, it has, that's some, cool. has a class, you know, it has a bunch of NPCs that you can use. And it's a really diverse kind of how do you fill your universe if you're doing science fiction games, but I guess you could use it really for anything. Um, how do you fill your world with a really diverse? community of different species not just humans and elves and dwarves or not just you know your typical vulcans and and um klingons and i guess uh, and Dorans, i guess maybe if i go that route or what would be the star wars equivalent what would be um, i don't even know uh, star wars would be like your
0: your admiral ackbars i don't know your yodas your ewoks
1: <laughs> yeah your ewoks your, your chewbaccas uh which would be your Wiki. Wookies, there you go, your Wookiees. Your Mandalorians, I don't know, they're probably mostly human. But anyways, I thought that was kind of cool that you could really flesh out and fill out. And I like books that allow you to create these things. This would be good, I think, for you people that like to play mutant um, OSR stuff. The the um, You play DCC a lot, but there's also MCC, which is also yeah. quite popular. Mutant Crawl Classics. Um, or Mutant Classic. Yeah, Mutant, mutant Crawl, Crawl classics. classics. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's lots of different species there because you can do a lot of different mutants and different yeah. things there too. So I think, uh, uh, well, there's and there's aliens and all kinds of stuff. You yeah, know, there's so. there's actual mutants where you're you you yeah. were
0: human but you were mutated. But there's also sentient plants in that game where you're plantians, yeah. and then there's yeah. the animal sentient animals, which I forget their names. Uh, uh, I was about to say like animorphs, but that's that's not right at all. Um, but yeah, no. <laughs> right. And so if you like playing those things, you know, and in um the umerica which is like the destroyed america for dungeon crawl mm-hmm. classics they have the grays which are the gray aliens that you can play and you can play robots and stuff yeah, and that so. Gray
1: aliens there you yeah. go like you could run an x-files game with oh, those fun. you know those different ones that would be really cool and then i threw the last one a little note in here because i know you love tome of beasts tome of beasts three tome of layers three and i think it was tome of minions three or they have a whatever their name for it is um for the 5e version they're putting out 5e versions of these books too is coming out in december so you can get those if you but want those to are those that's kobold press isn't it tome uh it was on the paizo's website uh, there you go. Uh, so i don't know so if I they're have... a partner to that or yeah that's Cobalt press well this is the creature codex but tome of beasts yeah, I think they have their own. I think Paizo did theirs. Did oh
0: okay. Anyway, I do like the, I do like the uh, Kobold Press or the uh, Creature Codex and Tome of Beasts. I have Tome of Beasts one and two. I don't think I'm going to get three because I have a lot of monsters. But just uh, in my Modron game the other day, I was like, I need like a cool alchemist, and I couldn't find anything in official documents. And sure enough, I start flipping through the Creature Codex, and I found exactly what I needed. And I'm like, this is awesome. So. It was a an yeah, alchemist the... elf that would attach vials to a bow and then fire an arrow that did
1: uh, a bunch of extra stuff. So there you go. I put the link in there. For yeah, you. yeah. Um, and I like the, the tone. I think Paizo and um, Cobalt Press. I think have done great jobs on monster books. Um, I think I've used them manual. And maybe even Mordicanon or Volos. I think I've used these other ones even more than those ones, I think. I think I've used third party stuff more when it oh, comes I definitely to monsters have, yeah. and stuff. And I will say that. I, I, think I definitely think they're have stronger. Because
0: when I was running more most of my enough. fifth edition, there was the Kobold Fight Club that specifically couldn't incorporate a lot of uh wizard stuff because of lawsuits, but Kobold Press and them were like, Oh yeah, throw all our monsters in there. So that was like the go to uh, encounter generator for a while was Kobold Fight Club. Um, but yeah, Toma Beast 3. It's uh, it's that yeah. is Kobold Press. It looks like it's on the Paizo website because they're uh, I don't know, they're a partner they're of it
1: or cross promoting. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, that's interesting. Uh, well, here's what I, I like this little line they have on the thing uh, this brings you void knights and breakwater trolls, musk deer and fiend lords, prismatic dragons and royal chimeras, stained glass moss. That sounds super cool. Void Claw Zombies, okay, you have my attention. Tar Golems, come on. Witch Willows, that sounds cool. Cobalt Drake Riders and Hellfire Giants. I mean, every single one of those I want in my campaign. (laughs) There wasn't one there I didn't want in my campaign. Uh, Zeris says that Paizo Prince Cobalt
0: Press's books. So they partner. Together. Oh, okay. So that's probably why they're like, pre order it and then we'll know
1: how many yeah. books to print. So Dritz has all the info. Maybe we should have this person on our show. Sometime. We? Yeah, well, you know, they're they're here <laughs> every Seems week. All this stuff.
0: Doing awesome yeah.
1: stuff. We started the Paizo section for them because <laughs> they, they love Pathfinder. So. <laughs> they're keeping us honest. They're keeping us honest. Well that's good. I'm still reading through those books. I'm still this coming year, twenty twenty three, with the Roll Twenty and the Kingmaker and the other five um, e adventures that are getting on Roll Twenty right now for Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, but I want to do Pathfinder Second Edition games, and Roll Twenty is doing a lot more content for them to help me out as a brand new dungeon master. So I'm hoping twenty twenty three is the year because you can a play Second two-week. Edition
0: on on Roll
1: Twenty, right? Like Pathfinder. Yeah, they've, second got, edition? they've yeah. got stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. It's Character just not not as
0: like polished, I guess, as... Some, no, I shouldn't say polished, but it's very, uh it's that that user interface is not what you're expecting. You kind of want like a D and D Beyond user. user yeah, interface. Yeah, the
1: only thing yeah. they didn't have was the character mancer piece, which is the thing that really did what D and D Beyond does better now. Yeah. But if you look back two years ago, the character mancer that they had brought out on Roll Twenty was just as good as anything D and D Beyond had. And that's why I had went to it because it made it easier for me to teach people how to play 5e and build characters because the way the character sheet generated and, and helped with all the rules. Now D&D Beyond has, has advanced far enough that they're a much better product than that. But I was really hoping for a Pathfinder 2e version of that. And we'll get that with Nexus. I think that's really my my big thing when we have something that helps people build characters in an easy understandable way and we're not trying to figure out is that how the rule reads or is that what they meant by this Mm -hmm. thing and it really just puts it on the character sheet we go oh okay we get 2d5 plus this for our hp now that makes total sense you know i think that's when i'm really going to be ready to dive into it because they have so many good products over at paizo i hate not to play them i hate to miss out on them i hate not to run them for players so that's my Paizo news. Um, did Jordan get to play some some role playing games in the last week since we met? I did. Yeah, I I've been playing a lot. It feels like and reading a lot. Um, but I <laughs> No Man's
0: Sky. No Man's and Sky. lots of No Man's Sky. Actually, I started I started playing Vampire Survivors again, which is a very
1: oh. dangerous
0: rabbit hole game. But if you haven't picked up that game, Lucian, I think it's only like two dollars. Yeah, I've been hearing about it. Amazing. Like, (laughs) amazing. And it starts out very like, oh, this is kind of like a simple, like, little flash game. And then uh, just weird things start happening. Um, I was definitely playing and the whole screen, like, got weird and glitched out. And I'm like, what is going on? And then when I went back to the levels, there's a weird glitched out level now. And, and the description is, uh, do you see this too? This probably shouldn't be here. And it's like they're they're totally playing into the funny nice. aspect of it. So, um, But no, I played uh, Dodger Crawl Classics. So my um, DCC game where we're running through Hot Springs Island. Friends came over. A uh, lot of combat, a lot of running around. And a lot of combat because I just kind of randomly generated situations for them which is one of the reasons that i love hot springs island is i can kind of be like okay yeah oh you find this like what do you want to do and they jump in um they found a nest of electric uh birds that are kind of like wingless or flightless griffins that can shoot electricity and they decided to run up and cause some problems and uh the birds did uh did destroy them pretty much. And they they fled. They were like, okay, <laughs> well, these guys are tough. Them. I'm like, oh yeah, they are. Um, yeah. Which is another thing I like about this is they can't judge how difficult something's going to be because sometimes they're like 12 foot salamander and they, you know, knock it down in two hits. And they're like, oh, a bird. I should be able to take a bird. And I'm like, well, the bird has like eight times more hit points <laughs> than the salamander, but you don't know that. And all of a sudden they're being yeah. paralyzed by lightning and it's like, what's going on? So, uh, lots of fun there. I, I should do... I don't have time for this, but I really want to do a game journal like I did back in the day uh, where I just kind of talk about, like, this is what happened. This is what I think I did wrong. This is what I did, I think, right. Kind of what this show turned into. But I feel like we, we're more covering news now than we're talking about our personal That is games. true. We
1: used to talk more about our Cause games. Because it was like, was how do we become
0: now? better Dungeon Masters? Did I make the right decision? You know, and the the yeah. show's evolved, but maybe we could get back to that at some point. We can bring that back. Um, I did play Great Modron March. I ran that. We had lots of fights uh, as our players went to a Modron deconstruction house, which is um, a very creepy thing. As they walked in and they were vivisecting Modrons inside this, like, tower warehouse oh, thing. Poor Modrons. Um, Yeah. To grab parts and then replace human parts with those parts. So you'd see, like, humans walking around with big Modron arms and stuff. Uh, It's just some weird magical experiments going on, and they don't really know why. Um, We ended on a pretty big cliffhanger, so stay tuned next week for what's going to happen there. And then uh, my friend Lex was like, hey, I want to run this World of Dungeons supplement that uh, he found. So me and some friends, we played through a Powered by the Apocalypse game called World of Dungeons, and I was a magic user, summoner, wizard thing. Uh, And we had a lot of fun. We kind of just... It was a. It's a really interesting supplement that he found, which is why he wanted to run it. World of Dungeons is a free game that you can find on itch.io, and me and Lex did a review of it on uh, Games with Lex over on the Jocular Junction. And then he found this really cool supplement that he wanted to like try, and so we we went through that. And then uh, I randomly discovered the 1989 Ghostbusters tabletop RPG, and I've been mm-hmm. reading through that, and it's really good. Like really good uh the original box set came with um when during character creation you also have to fill out your last will and testament because they have to know where all of your stuff goes when you die because you will die but the whole idea Mm -hmm. is that you're starting a ghostbusters franchise in wherever you're at so you're like oh i'm in you know like dubuque iowa and we're gonna open our own ghostbusters franchise and then you have all of the problems of running your ghost extermination uh, service here in Dubuque, and all Iowa. Of the funniness, it's all of the so, hilarity. And it's all written tongue-in-cheek. It was super funny. Yeah. I, I guess it was really popular, and I think it's the first one that uh, West End Games uh, or kind of like launched them, and they later became very popular by making the Star Wars RPG um, oh, back in yeah. the, the late 80s, 90s. So this is the 1989 Ghostbusters RPG. Uh, it's out of print, but you can find PDFs if you look hard enough. And it's uh, that's how I'm reading it. It's very fun. So,
1: um, but yeah, what are you doing right, cool. in RPGs? So well, we played on our new night Thursday. Um, we were mowing through lots of hobgoblins and uh, on the level, and kind of going through another area of. It looks like they maybe they just took it over and. I don't think we're too far out from going down lower now. So the, I think the levels are getting more smaller and focused as we go deeper, but dangerous and more quirks to them. So I think we're gonna start going through them pretty quickly. Uh, one thing we were doing that I thought was interesting, and maybe I'll kind of put it in next week's notes because we'll we'll run over a tiny bit today. Um, I started kind of talking to my Dungeon Master from Down Under, our Australian Dungeon Master, about a new magic item that I wanted because I wanted to be able to cast on like a a long rest kind of equivalent only once I want to be able to cast the enlarge spell, and I don't have access to that as the you know arcane archer slash cleric, mm-hmm. so I could try to you know do some more multi class shenanigans or feat shenanigans to try to you know somehow find a way to get access to that. But then I thought well. Why not make it more fun and just ask the Dungeon Master, couldn't I try to commission with downtime days and connections that we have in Waterdeep and stuff that somebody could create or make or we could find or procure something that lets me basically cast this once per day? And then it's it's like having just one more spell, but it's nothing too crazy and Enlarge isn't that big of a... You know a spell jump or anything because i just thought there's some shenanigans i want to have that I yeah. think would be fun with that if i had it and i just feel like oh this would be so good if i could get it so we're gonna see he he's his eyes lit up anytime you ask your dungeon master to create you something unique going into it you're not trying to not even min but you're trying to max Your output, and you're trying to go for the great, Mm -hmm. you know, the highest damage possible, their eyes kind of glaze over when you try to bring them that kind of thing. But if you (laughs) say, I just want this quirky thing that I think would be fun, it'll add some flavor, it does have some utility, but it's not going to break your campaign, it's not going to break the game can we come up with something and you let their kind of creative juices start to flow because they get a hand in thinking about how could they get something that's cool because they know your character too and they know you've been working on this character and what their personality is and what their story has been over now more than a year it almost seems like or at least a year of playing Mm -hmm. i think it's going to be fun for them so don't dismiss talking to your dungeon master and saying hey could we come up with something really cool that i could have crafters or people build and it could be part of a quest it could be take some time i'm not going to get it immediately type thing but i think we'll add to it and i think it adds a lot of fun to you and and it i think helps keep your dungeon master engaged because secret or um uh, spoiler alert dungeon masters can sometimes get bored of their own campaign start to lose interest <laughs> of their own campaign and start thinking way too much about starting a transformers campaign that they find, <laughs> or you know some other games and i don't know who that would be but you know some it's all dungeon hypothetical masters out there yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, well, how about you has anybody come and just asked you to create um i mean it's still to me one of the coolest interactions me and you had originally mm-hmm. was when we were talking about you know your your cleric to Leviatar and the the magic item you were gonna get that was the whip that was part of yeah. the symbol and what it could do and things and I just thought that's such a cool interaction to have and something to always go back to that nothing else in the campaign we might remember but we mm. remember that or oh, I yeah. remember that. Huh. And like what how that,
0: that magic item worked, because like I would take extra damage to do extra damage and stuff, and it was all themed yeah. to the Lady of Pain. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah and man. we collaborated kind of on what it would do and how it would work and how it would look. And it was mm-hmm. like, I knew I didn't want it to be too powerful, but I wanted to be thematic, but it still was cool enough that you'd want to use it and do it. And mm-hmm. like you'd had all, you know, input on it too. So I just think it was a cool interaction between. You know two people that are playing that game don't always think that they're just on the other side of the screen. yeah, so you don't get to do those kinds of cool things. you know, you can still I would have say some especially
0: fun. other dungeon masters because I have players who are just like, I just want you to give me my thing. How does it work? But like I know when I'm running other dungeon masters, if I'm just like, hey, like how do you want this to work? they're like, oh, what? I get it have
1: input, you know, and so the people yeah. that like to have input into games, it's really cool. so yeah so that's been great i'm excited for that to come up again um and then basically right i went and was at my game store again and i picked up some more uh on sale books that people had returned you know our store takes in old games and stuff so i picked up sentinel comics the role-playing game which i love this book is filled with artwork that is some of the best in in the world for me what are sentinel comics a brand of comics that i don't know about they are i think they started out as like a car computer game that was based about playing like a card game and then they turned it into a role-playing game and then it got turned into a ttrpg game i think people can correct me i got to play this at gen con and it was a really fun system um the way the your powers and things are based off of different dice so you use lots of different dice depending on what your powers are It's a very just great um, superhero system that's very different than most of the other ones that are out there as far as the rule system. Very colorful. Um, It talks about how to create, you know, your scenes and your trackers and all that kind of stuff. Like all the character sheets are always really super colorful and I just found it a really cool um, game and I've always wanted the, I got the quick start rules back when they were developing them Mm -hmm. a year or two ago and now I have finally the, the actual full book, which is cool. And then I picked up one other thing because I thought, hey, they had it on sale. It is a Wrath and Glory Warhammer 40k starter set. Oh, cool. To play the Wrath and Glory RPG. So it has six characters in there. It's got game dice. I think it's a two I think it's a D6 pool system of some sort. It's got battle maps and tokens, and it's got an adventure in there. And I thought, hey, this might be a cool way. I mean, I always like thinking about how how does a starter set introduce you to the game Mm -hmm. and one of the ideas when i saw this i was like i wonder if i could make a video on how well does the starter set indoctrinate me into this game and this this rule set and and you know do i feel like i want to play more after it was it easy to pick up and explain to other people when i don't know anything about it because i've never played it i always i always like to understand how these you know starter sets work and if they're they really do the job well so i think that's going to be a video i want to put out pretty quick And then in the notes, I was going to talk about Goblin Slayer and Transformers if we had not filled up our time. But we obviously probably did. But I did want to mention that Transformers was, I put it in the notes there, um, the Essence 20 system. I know somebody told us that last week, but it's basically a D20 and then you get a skill die that you add to that. And you're trying to get over a DC of 1 to 30 or whatever the the dungeon So I have like a D20, but a D6
0: skill die or something, and you roll
1: them together. Yep, exactly. Perfect. And there might be some other pluses or modifiers in there, but that's the basic system. And then Goblin Slayer is a 2D6 system, but you start with your focus, your skill level, or your class level, and then your skill gives you maybe a, a number of like five or seven or six then you roll your 2d6 to add to that and you're trying to roll above it so it's a 2d6 plus you know your skill stuff too and i'm very interested in reading this one this book is so different than how all the other ttrpgs are laid out how they explain things it's just a very different way to read a, a role-playing tabletop game, and I'm enjoying it just because it's different.
0: Cool. And I don't know yeah. anything
1: about Goblin Slayer or the anime or anything. I haven't watched it or anything, but it just grabbed my eye. It's all not even colors. It's just it's just a different read, a different way to do something. I just That's why I really like it, and I'm hoping to bring more information to you guys on it as I go through them because I'm just so excited on all these new games and stuff that we're getting to play yeah. and come out. and around with so yeah i still i think i was
0: talking about it with you but also with lex where i I really want to go back to that idea of i make a a character for a system i don't know very well to like understand how the system works and that's something i still want to do where it's like okay jordan makes a character
1: for goblin slayer you know jordan the character creation i made this a note in transformers shocked me how cool it was. Okay. I want to do this with you at some point where I, was I should and explain I'll, I'll how the they do it. and see
0: if I can pick up transformers. That'd be fun. Yeah,
1: because I think this is a cool way of doing um character creation and what I liked about it, let me there was just this one thing I was going to read out of it. So, the very first step of character creation is discuss with your GM and other players the character you're thinking about creating. Imagine that, Jordan, being your first step to character <laughs> creation. <laughs> talk <laughs> about you're gonna it. You're going to talk to your party. <clears throat> you're going to talk to your GM. And then you're going to go and do your concept. You're going to figure out what your essence scores are. You're going to decide your influence, your origin, your role. And then you're going to describe what that character looks like and you're ready to form your team. What a cool way to kind of step out the steps. And I think as I was reading this, I was like, oh, I think Jordan would really get into this. Oh, and yeah. Just the way it the, the way they described it, you know, like you, you pick what you're kind of like what you do, but then you pick your chassis, right? So then you're picking, are you a car or a plane or, a, you know, these different types of chassis that might work. And then you still have more things to pick after that. That you, What's your role in the party? Are you a support? Are you a frontliner? Are you a mm-hmm. tank? Are you a damage dealer? That kind of thing. So it's a really cool way to, we never think of it that way. I don't think in Dungeons and Dragons because, Dungeons & Dragons, I think we all just think about a character we want to play and then put it into whatever campaign and whatever the other party's going to do. We don't even know what they're creating. So we might come in with three Warlocks all of a sudden because everybody decided they were all going to play Warlocks. We just don't know because, I don't know, for me, D&D character creation, we don't um, collaborate as much as we do, it seems like, in other games. Yeah. No,
0: I and I think that's something I really love about it. Um I, we need to end this because I have to go no. to a hot spring and go swimming. Um, it's very exciting, oh, but, sorry. uh, thank you guys for watching and hanging out today. Uh, be sure to, you know, share all of this with other people, share the podcast with people. Um, I will be getting great mode Ron March, uh, podcasts up on Patreon soon. Um, otherwise you should t- check out uh nerd immersion place to watch those videos. Cause they're, it's super fun. We have a lot of fun with those games. Um, anything else before we take off, sir? No, I'm going to
1: go troubleshoot my yeah, other camera. Fix your
0: camera, all that
1: stuff. Or and just keep using so this one because apparently you look amazing. <laughs> I look <so>. amazing. <laughs> uh,
0: ladies and gentlemen, like thank you camera. so much. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning d d Show. Bye, guys. <laughs>